Infatuated, the podcast for people who really fancy a good story. I'm Emily. And I'm Rebecca. And today we have a very, very special guest. It is our biggest hype man. It is the man, the myth and the legend, Dee Fretter. Dee is a musician, poet and podcaster and he's beaming in today from Canada, which is very exciting, for his own infatuated takeover. How are you doing today, Dee? Man, well, it's not every day you get to be on your favorite podcast talking to your favorite poet and your favorite book talk creator. So I'm living the dream, man. It's crazy. Oh, no, stop. <laughs> oh, sorry. Was that too much? Did I come in too hot? I can, I can tone it down. No, no, we, we like we it. We secretly love it. Yeah, we love how nice you are. Keep going. <laughs> well, I mean, we're all really good looking people, too. This is unbelievable. Wow. It's we, a very good looking Zoom. It's a great looking Zoom. Y'all are missing out. <laughs> what have you been up to? What's it like there? Give us a taste of your life today in Canada. What's the vibe? Uh, well, it's nice and sunny here in Canada. Believe it or not, it's not that cold. <laughs> Cruising in like the mid-20s Celsius kind of thing. Day in the life of D. Fredder. You know, wake up, work out, meditate, yoga, work, write, record, do it all again. I don't know. I'm kind of boring. I'm just like obsessed with making stuff, so I just do that a lot. <laughs> Man who rhymes off eight million hobbies, and he's like, I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of boring. Amazing. We all know why we're here, so I will ask you the question: What are you infatuated with today? Well, I'm infatuated with the 2019 album "A Real Good Kid" by Mike Posner. Mm. yeah i would have done a book but i only read what you suggest so i was like can't do that but yeah mike is one of my favorite artists i'd say he's one of the strongest influences on my music my poetry and kind of like me as a person that's weird he's like Mm -hmm. i've been saying to people who know of you rebecca that Mm -hmm. mike is to me what taylor swift is to you (laughs) yeah that's a vibe and we love the vibes. So uh, a little backstory on Mike. Uh, his body of work, I guess it starts professionally in 2010. He came out with a debut single that went wild, like tr- multiple platinum. It was called Cooler Than Me. Like, if I can write you a song to make you oh, fall I know in love, I already have you. Yeah, you know that song. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, that was in 2010. Then he kind of like progressively gets a little less pop and you know like singles coming out and it's not as popular they're still good they're still doing well but not as popular and then he kind of just like disappears for a while and then in 2016 mike posner returns with another smash single uh i took a pill in ibiza and you probably heard the remix because it was crazy and that one was at one point one of the top 10 most streamed songs on spotify like in spotify history Wow, really? Yeah, well, I was, you know, it was a, it was a bop, a banger, and a jam all at once. <laughs> That's hard to do. So, yeah, and I prefer the original version of that song. It's more acoustic-y, sort of like reminiscent of 1970s country, like Dolly Parton, another another icon, Amazing. or like Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson, like that type of songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more acoustic-y, but the remix is the one that went wild. That's a little like history just to bring us up to 2019 where uh, like one of my favorite parts of Mike's writing is that he writes about his life in like borderline absurd detail and often it's not like 
wrapped up in an elaborate metaphor. He's just found a way to tell a story and make it fit within the structure of primarily pop music, which I think is hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, Taylor does it too really, really well, and that lady can turn a phrase. But we're not talking about her right now. She got her own episodes. Yeah, we do, we're not. Don't don't open that can. <laughs> Just derail the whole convo. Like my favorite songs are probably from the album that I took a pill Ibiza is on. But I want to talk about a real good kid because I think it's a really interesting body of work because it's not quite a concept album, but it does have like a conceptual through line that's pretty tight, and it has like two plots within the album which were like really like almost like darker stories to tell within an album. And it's an interesting point in the life cycle of any recording artist. Some people call it post-heroic. Some people call it beard phase because a lot of like male artists that go through this phase, like grow a beard or there's like a big change in their appearance. Like Beethoven's gone through it. The Beatles went (laughs) through it. Some would say that, uh, I'm going to stop talking about her, but some would say that Taylor Swift's album Reputation is her, like, post-heroic beard phase. Yeah. She didn't grow a beard for that, but, you know, I bet she could. She'd rock it. If she could have, I bet she would have. Exactly. She'd (laughs) have looked amazing. That's enough about Taylor, though. The first, and I would say, like, the main plot of the album is the passing of Mike Posner's father, um, which is, you know. Grief is something that everybody goes through at some point and some stage of their life. And so that's really relatable. And then uh, a breakup that he went through as well. It's kind of like the subplot. So the songs kind of pertain to mostly those two things. Mm. And it's a really cool genre defying piece of work. It's a little singer songwriter. There's some very clear hip hop inspirations. There's some tropical house synthesizers. And uh, there's some spoken word tracks as well. So we get that, that poetry bit and it's like one of those things it's designed to listen from like start to finish in one go it's like 40 minutes long and there's like really beautiful transitions from track to track and some recordings of conversations Mike had with his father before he passed that are like yeah that face I make make a lot (laughs) (laughs) oh god yeah like you're not really ready and the marketing around it was very vague and you didn't really know what was going. Like we, uh, a lot of the fans knew that his dad had passed, um, but we didn't. We weren't ready. Yeah. And I'm still not ready now. It's been like three years, and I listen to this album like maybe like one or two times a week, just to like stay inspired and stuff. So I'm not gonna take us through the entirety of the album because I don't know if we have that kind of time. And <laughs> I alienate my friends with how much I talk about Mike. And his artistry and this album, so I'm just I don't want to do that to new friends. You know what I mean? I mean, we are the people that do that to all. Of, <laughs> so we do that to our friends. That's why we have a podcast where we do it to each other because no one else really wants to, to, to hear it. So. Okay, great. Well, then never mind. I'll just get rid of all these notes and uh, <laughs> start at track one. Well, uh, I, I might. I, well, no, I'm gonna talk <laughs> no, about track one, but but I thought um, just to start because like I wanted to go in on two tracks specifically, but I also wanted to like hit on some of the other like lyrical aspects that I, or the quotes that I thought were really good. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm just going to read a couple of quotes and we'll go from there after that. My heroes all died young. They hung themselves with fame and these lunatics molded me. I got a tattoo. It's a joke. I keep a secret. I needed everyone to notice me. Wow. 
I like that. Yeah. yeah. Am I the only one here who don't know what the fuck is going on? I worked the last 10 years. I'm a multimillionaire. I'm 30 years old. It's supposed to all be good. It is not fucking all good. And see, no one's really sure how long we were there for. Some say a few hours. Others say a few years. All I know is a funny thing happens when you look in someone's eyes that long. You start to see your face unravel. Ooh. Oh my god, that's so good. I love that last, like, two lines. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, like, one of the poems in the track. And he, he goes on, and I gotta be honest, this is kind of an aside, but Mike Posner's poetry, when he's not, like, rhyming, he kind mm. of reminds me of Sabrina. Nice. Mm. And, uh... I talked to Sabrina about it, and she was like, yeah, like, maybe. A little. <laughs> <laughs> and aside for our listeners, Dee and I met in Sabrina Benham's poetry at Open Mic. Oh, yeah, shout out Sabrina. She's probably listening. Yeah, we Love just you. We, we refer to Sabrina, and then we, like, we're like, oh, yeah, Benham. <laughs> Subtle flex. Yeah, we're big deals in the poetry universe. Yeah. I went to an <laughs> ashram a million miles from here. An old man on a blanket appeared. He waved me to come closer, and he whispered in my ear, Son, you've got to stop staring at the fire. All my ego trips come in flocks, and they tell me, Kid, it's really not that hot. Take your anxiety and your guilt and just throw it all on top. Now I can't stop standing in the fire. People want to know, do you ever get tired of being perfect? And that's the whole quote there. It's a good question. That is a lot to unpack. (laughs) People love the old me. I don't know where he's gone. Too tired to be famous and too vain to be unknown. (laughs) Yes, I like that. (laughs) That's like a millennial vibe. Mm -hmm. I might tattoo that on me somewhere someday. (laughs) Too tired to be famous but too vain to be unknown is like a perfect gravestone. (laughs) 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 That's a good idea. Yeah, as I said, I had, like, the hardest time. I was listening to this album, like, almost every day for the last, like, week and a half trying to pick the songs I wanted to dive into. But I picked, like, the first and the third track to, like, really go into because I really like them. And I think they, like, emphasize the two plots of the album really well. hmm Nice. So the first one we're going to go into is track one. It's called January 11th. 2017. I really like when things are named after dates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's subtle and evocative. You're like, what happened on January 11th, 2017? Mm-hmm. So I'll read the first verse. I cleaned out your dresser, found some joints. My sister smoked them. I didn't see the point. And everyone keeps saying that I look just like you. Life don't seem so long anymore ouch right yeah (laughs) damn Uh, and then the chorus goes the day my daddy died i damn near quit the band the day my daddy died i held my mama's hand i cried my tears then dried them up put my face inside my hands the day my daddy died i became a man Oh no. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. This is really good. Right. That repetition, man. Yeah, it's a very like poetic 
sort of 90s hip-hop thing to do to just keep mm-hmm. repeating one phrase but emphasizing it with a following phrase. Yeah. And he wastes no time telling you what happened on January 11th, 2017, which I think is like tight, concise, effective storytelling in music. Yeah. Now, we know you love a verse too, or I know that. <laughs> I think we all know that. Yeah. So, I also love a verse too. You know, I think it's just a good way to come back to the story and, and continue it on with any song, but specifically this one, it just kind of almost seems like, how would you put it? Almost unrelated for a second. You're like, what? The, what? But then it kind of works with grief because grief is such a chaotic emotional state to be in. Yeah. So verse two goes, the cops came. They did not take off their shoes. People hug me. I smell like 10,000 perfumes. Gave away the wheelchair. You're gone but I'm still here. January in Detroit is cold as fuck. (laughs) Oh, that line about the cop shoes, though. Yeah, I like that. Such a good image. Yeah. It's good because it's kind of like when you're in that state of sort of shock after like a major loss like that, you do sort of notice random things. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, lost kind of staring at the ridges in a salt shaker at the breakfast table or something wild like that. I think that's, again, like really effective storytelling because you're really put into his feels. He puts you into Mm. his own feels. That's wild. And I think that's effective. And I'm going to calm down because you're going to get carried away. (laughs) Get carried away, man. (laughs) I'm just trying to play it cool. You know, I don't want to be like, wow, this guy's like. Infatuation is not about playing it cool. (laughs) Oh, well, that's okay. (laughs) That's cool. I I thought infatuation and like deep deep love were different things. Maybe I don't know the definition, but oh, that's a very philosophical question that could take up a lot of time. <laughs> and we don't have time in this podcast, and that's not what it's about. But I don't have a ton else to say about the about the song itself, other than I like the rhyme scheme because like it's like A A B C in the mm. verses. And I think that that's a good way to, like, when you can kind of predict what's going to happen, it can almost take you out of listening. But yeah. when you can't predict it, you have to pay attention in order to really hear what the writer is saying. Mm. Yeah, so that C really, like, throws you. Yeah, because you think it's going to be, like, in verse one, you think it's going to rhyme with you. And it's just like, life don't seem so long anymore. You're like, well, damn, dude. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought it was going to be something about, like, I don't know what to do. Damn it, Mike. <laughs> At least that's what I said, but, you know. So that's kind of the first track. I don't know. I didn't have a ton to say about it. I just really like it, and I think it's a good, like, story about grief and a good example mm-hmm. of how you can tell someone without, like, you're telling them, but you're not telling them. And it, it's, like, detailed but open to, like, invite you into the story yeah 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 and the second song i want to take us through it's either my favorite or second favorite song on the entire album and it's called song about you it's a breakup song through and through if i've ever heard one (laughs) in my opinion i think it's a real sort of example like a very accurate example of like men's emotions post breakup okay okay 
Like it's a very masculine breakup song, but it's still very emotional. I'm intrigued now. Yes. So it starts with the hook, which I think is really cool. Put all your stuff in a box in my room. I don't want to write no song about you, but you show up in everything that I do. And then I guess this is a lyric. They go, ooh, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> but that felt more like a melodic thing just to yeah. kind of get you into it. Uh, and then we go straight into verse one. Since you've been gone, Ain't got nothing to do. I sleep until noon. I wake up and feel bad. I think I miss something I never had. I just want to unwind, unwind. Everything that makes me feel confined. Sometimes I hate the sunshine. Sometimes I hate the sunshine. That rhyme scheme. (laughs) I'm going to get to another thing about the rhyme scheme in a second. But then they go back into the hook. And then we go into a verse two. Now it's a cold war. Who will call first? Try to be productive at work. I just can't. I miss you a lot, but I ain't coming back. Ooh, woo, 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 woo. (laughs) I just want to unwind, unwind. Everything that makes me feel confined. Sometimes I hate the sunshine. Sometimes I hate the sunshine. That sort of repetition is very... You know what he's feeling. And he's just, Mm. it's, it is almost like a rant song. And the thing that I really like is that the verses, the, the rhyme scheme slowly deteriorates as he's kind of like articulating the frustration and like the angst of this breakup, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And I just think that's really, like, I don't think it was intentional because it's such a raw, sort of angry, sort of like, it's like raw, angry, but also like soft and in your feels. And so, like, the fact that it just kind of falls apart, it's like, and especially it falls apart at a point where he says, like, I'm trying to be productive at work, and I just can't. Mm-hmm. And he's a songwriter. He's trying to write a song, and most songs in pop rhyme, and he's kind of failing at it because he's so hung up on this person that left him. Yeah, I love that. It's crazy. It's so good. <laughs> and now, he doesn't write a ton of bridges, is something that I've noticed in his whole body of work. He doesn't write mm-hmm. a ton of bridges, but when he writes a bridge, it's a pretty good bridge. <laughs> and I love this bridge. This is like, this may be the best bridge I've ever heard in the sense that like, you can tell it's freestyled. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I learned in a different podcast that he, what he did was he would freestyle a line, pause the recording, think of the next line, say it, pause mm-hmm. recording and just freestyle it like in pieces like that but it's like a little disjointed but it is a rap so now we're into like a very clear like oh we get a hip-hop moment in this album and mm-hmm. uh this song like it's got some really like boom bap drums with a little bit of trap in there i don't know if i don't know yeah. if boom bap hip-hop is really big in scotland but i mean yeah. we we know of it it's like <laughs> it's around yeah cool people listen to logic and stuff like that and that's sweet yeah, so this bridge, it goes, all your love letters and a pair of Ray-Bans. I'm growing my beard, moving back in my van. Your side of the bed still smells like you, though. And these memories of us, it's brutal. You know, you know exactly how I feel. We broke up, but you be on my mind still. The worst type of sadness you can have is when you miss something that doesn't miss you back. Ooh. Ouch. That stings. 
<laughs> yeah. Gets right in between the ribs. I was like, damn, dude. I ain't even been through a breakup now, and I'm feeling angsty and sad. That is that's crazy. <laughs> Looking at your wife like, ow. <laughs> yeah, how could you do this to me? She's like, what, dude? <laughs> so that's like kind of the lyrical side of this song, song about you, but like, Something that I can't highlight in a podcast where we can't play it because copyright and nobody wants to get mm. sued here mm. is they use like melodically, sonically, as I mentioned, there's like a really cool sort of boom bappy beat. There's a really cool guitar line that goes through the whole song. It's sort of like it almost sounds like out of tune and really highlights that like angsty sort of disjointed chaotic like it's a chaotic song for a chaotic feeling, but it's still very catchy, which yeah. I don't know how you make chaos catchy, but he did it. But like melodically in the song, they use the strophic technique, which is where you like the melody is the same in the verse and the chorus, like Amazing Grace or Barbary Allen. I don't. Is that how you pronounce it? Barbary Allen? I don't know. That's fine. Amazing Grace. A lot of yeah, hymns yeah, do get that. A lot of hymns do it. And it's. Uh, like a more contemporary example could be like Rockstar by Post Malone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. This is like a really powerful songwriting technique if you really want to highlight your lyrics. The caveat is that you like the lyrics have to be good. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, a lot of pop, like there's a different melody for each section in the song, which is great. That's awesome. But if you really want to focus in on what you're saying, use the strophic technique. I or see. maybe I guess if you wanted to have a really good melody, you just wanted to keep using it, that'd be another reason to do it. But then it could get boring. That would be the other struggle with songwriting. But that's a writing chat thing we can get into. Never mind. Yeah, we can dive into that. Oh, you know, there's, I missed a quote. I can't believe I didn't add this. This is what kind of a fan am I. <laughs> I wish Tracy Chapman was my friend. She would know exactly what to say. And that's just... That's perfect. <laughs> I love that one. Can't yeah. believe I overlooked that one. Dyslexia oh got Oh my god, that is amazing. <laughs> I love Tracy Chapman. Yeah, Yeah, me too. She's great. But yeah, that's, that's kind of all I had to say on a real good kid. You know, like, I could have gone track by track, but we'd be here all day and... <laughs> It's evening where you are, so I didn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's a very self-aware sort of writer. I don't know if he's a self-aware guy because we've never hung out. He keeps, like, not answering my DMs, and that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's cool. I'm fine. You seem fine. You yeah, seem fine good. with it. It's good because I'm fine. But, yeah, that's all I had to say. That's my infatuation for this episode is A Real Good Kid by Mike Posner on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to music. I'm not paid to say that. I just, you guys <laughs> should check it out and listen to it in the whole, like in its entirety. If you want yeah. to. Live your life. I definitely want to now. Yeah, same. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and also, like, I love an album that is a story. Yeah. That you're meant to listen to start to finish. That is very much my jam. Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah, that's it felt like your kind of jam. <laughs> I'm excited about that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. What writing chatness would you like to chat about? So I wanted to kind of share, like we talk, or not we, I'm not part of this show usually. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> and spirit, you absolutely are. <laughs> right, but I'm not like, yeah, yeah. I'm listening. I'm learning. Actually, I will say that like a lot of like the writing chat in the earlier episodes where you're talking specifically about writing novels has been very mm-hmm. helpful for me working on my novel. So thanks for that. Appreciate you. Nice. You're welcome. Yeah. So we need to talk more about that off recording because I don't want, I don't want to give too much away. I like to keep an air of mystery. Don't let the upbeat sort of bumbling buffoon persona fool you. I'm actually very <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> you know that meme that's like, I really want to be mysterious, but I can't shut the fuck up. Yes, that is that is me. <laughs> I'd love to be mysterious, but I am far too chatty. Speaking of chats, let's get back into this writing chat. Okay, um, nice segue. Thank you. I podcast sometimes, so I'm getting good at mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I do some poetry and like lyric writing coaching with like mostly they're mostly teenagers, I guess. Yeah. One of them's like in their early 20s, but it's like guitar lessons, but for writing poems. And something that I always like start them off with is my seven rules for writing poetry and lyrics, which is I just think a good place to start Um, because I can't teach anyone. I can't teach anyone their own poetic voice. That's something that you have to find for yourself. Like. Yeah. You know, I know a Sabrina Benham poem. I know a Rudy Francisco poem. They have very distinct voices. Mm. And that's something they develop over like their time writing. But I think you get a lot of sort of like BS advice about writing poems. And a lot of people kind of like, I'd call them goatee strokers, kind of like trying mm. to gatekeep the art form. And they'll tell mm-hmm. you that you got to reach these bars. And I was like, mm, I don't know if you do, you know. <laughs> No, it's free verse. It's kind of free. But also you do, or my students are asking me for like advice or Mm -hmm. guidance. So I'm like, okay, well, let me point you in this direction. So I'm going to take us through the, my seven rules of poetry and lyrics and, uh, you know, chime in as you feel necessary, as you feel led. If the spirit moves you, I don't know. (laughs) Take it away. (laughs) Rule number one intention if you write something with the intention of it being a poem the chances that it is a poem are pretty high (laughs) yeah i like that thank you i don't really like it when people like just write a word and say it's a poem that's just my personal thing i'm like that feels lazy or like Mm -hmm. if you just wrote a receipt like that's a poem (laughs) i'd be like rude but by and large you know, whether it's free verse, whether it's golden shovel, whether it's, I forget that one where you have to like write a poem out of a quote, like each beginning line of the poem is a word from a quote that you picked out. Um, I forget oh, what it's yeah. called, but that one's pretty cool. So like whatever it is, if you intend for it to be a poem, it's a good chance that it's a poem. It's not guaranteed, but it's a good chance. Nice. Rule number two, keep it real. Write about what's real, true, and or meaningful to you. Inspiration is everywhere. You just need to pay attention. I would agree. Yes. When I was talking to Sabrina Benham on my podcast, that episode hasn't come out yet, but we were talking and we kind of like quibbled over like, you know, not every poem is like this literally happened, but there's still Mm -hmm. truth in it. So it's like it's not true, but the emotions that tell the story are real. You know, so you don't yeah. have to just document stuff that happens. You can 
be creative, come up with a story, but there has to be a feeling that's real and meaningful to you in order to fuel the the making of the poem. Yeah. I think that people really butchered the phrase poetic license in the 2000s because <laughs> they used it to be like, you can just lie about things and call it poetic license. But I think that there is such a thing as poetic license where it's like, this is emotionally true. These are not the events that happened. Yeah, that yeah. is, that's different than like claiming like these are true events and they're not like, well, it's poetry. What are you going to do? It's like, that's... <laughs> Yeah. That's bull, but you know, you come up with a story to better illustrate how you're feeling than what actually happened to spark the feeling. It's pretty yeah. creative. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I'm into it. I'd read it. Mm-hmm. Probably. Rule number three, you are your first audience. Write what you want to say, but also write what you need to hear. Make the art that you want to exist in the world. That's your job as a creative. Don't worry about appealing to others because if you write with the intention to appeal to others, if you strategize your inspiration, it becomes a form of manipulation and people can sense that. And since you won't be able to please everyone with your work, you might as well please yourself and let your audience vibe with you. Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. (laughs) Awesome. Number four, go deep. Whether it's deep sadness or deep joy, pull from the depths of yourself. Art is about building connections and self-expression. You can't build a relationship with just small talk. That's a very poetic line in itself, mate. Well, thank you. (laughs) I can't help it. I can't be stopped. And I do usually kind of at this point, like if I'm talking to songwriters or someone who does both, I will say that like some really, really good songs are just like, have a good barbecue. And that's totally fine. Um, and you need those. And I mean, like, there could be some poems that are like, have a good barbecue. But I find that poetry is like a very raw, personal art form, even if it's happy. Yeah. yeah. And song... It can be fun, but it's usually still a deep cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but then songwriting, it can be shots. It doesn't have to be a deep cut. It can be shots and it still hits. It's good. <laughs> True. Who doesn't like shots? <laughs> Emily. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I just can't do them. Yeah. But, you know, that's a story for another day. <laughs> Sorry, I got so distracted with intrigue for a second there. I was like, there's a story. But we'll carry on. We're at rule number five. Uh, use your imagination. Pretty simple. Just play around with phrasing and and look at things from different angles and be creative. Like, again, if you're coming up with a fictional story to highlight how you're feeling just be imaginative and like a good example of imagination and like metaphor would be i would say rudy rudy francisco Mm. he's the homie shout out gang gang um he doesn't know me i just like to give him a shout out every once in a while (laughs) but he's phenomenal at coming up with like unexpected metaphors that are very effective and i don't know if i know of another poet who does it quite as well as him yeah he does very much like bait and switch you yeah I did Sabrina's like writing workshop and we studied Rudy one week and she she was talking about how he like skirts so close to cliche and then like veers at the last second so it's not cliche and he does it so well every time. Yeah. I love it when you think you know what's going to happen. So like mm-hmm. they they yeah, the bait and switch that it's like they're almost teasing you. You think you know what's coming and then you don't. 
<laughs> and in poetry or songwriting, I think that that like puts you in a stance of like you're like you, the writer, have kind of like forged the path. And then every time you share it, you're leading someone down this path that you've already forged. So it's very interesting. Yeah, Rudy's really effective at it. So is Sabrina. Love her to death. Can't shut up about these people. I'm such a fangirl. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we both live that life. It's yeah. Fine. <laughs> it makes sense that I'm on the Infatuated Podcast just to gush about people. Yep, that's deep, what it's deep for. gushing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, rule number six, keep it simple. Don't get lost trying to use a complicated metaphor and elaborate rhyme scheme if it's going to trip you up and keep you from speaking your truth. Put it down, try it again later. Sharpen your pen and you can probably come back to it. But I've seen a lot of poets and a lot of lyricists try to like really like stick to the metaphor that they come up with, but it falls apart because they're just not quite strong enough in their voice or they don't quite have the words. Like one of my students, I'm not going to say their name, but they know exactly who they are. Hey, you're doing great. <laughs> uh, they really wanted to write a poem about how like their ex- is the sun and right. kept coming back to it. But it just started to fall apart because like, it just, like they were so married to it that they weren't really getting the feeling out because they had to limit themselves to what, like limit what they were saying to adhere mm-hmm. to the rules they set. I'm like, okay, well uh, how about you just break the rules and like set yourself free and just say what you're feeling. And that's the beautiful thing about poetry over songwriting is that you can just fucking say it, you know? <laughs> yeah your image like the problem with a metaphor is that if the image doesn't carry and like make sense all the way through for the feelings and especially if you're talking about changing feelings Mm -hmm. it can be really hard to stay with one image unless that image is really flexible yeah yeah Yeah. i think that's why you have so many pieces about water because it is constantly in flux Mm -hmm. and it always works (laughs) yeah and then lastly, this is the most important rule, and I always say this. Rule number seven, most important rule. You know, if, you, if you're listening at home, you didn't listen to any of the other ones, that's fine. This is the most important one. Write it down. It'll change your life. Rule number seven, there ain't no rules in poetry. Hey. <laughs> I actually thought you were saying that the rule was write it down, it'll change your life. And I was like, <laughs> damn, that's a good rule. <laughs> and then you, you came out with a better one. <laughs> Damn. Okay, so now we got eight rules of poetry. Uh, rule number one, write it down. It'll change your life. We'll shift the whole list down. But yeah, no, it's there ain't no rules in poetry. I don't I don't really um I don't vibe with gatekeepers and people like trying to safeguard this art form. Cause it's it's meant first and foremost to like express and and you said this when you were on my podcast, Rebecca, like it's playing with language. Originally that's what it was. And it's like I think it's overly intellectualized. I'm like, nah, just like life is short. Just be free. Say what's on your mind. Say what's on your heart. And you know, you know, if the fuck around. Yeah. Like fuck language around. is yours. Just fuck around. <laughs> like really how many, how many legendary poets are there? There's like what under 50 and that's like 2000 years of recorded history. You really think you're going to be another one? Nah, don't put that pressure on you. Just have fun. Relax. <laughs> Spit a bar. It'll be fun. Trust me. Do it. Yes. Love it. Absolutely. Such a yes. <laughs> I, can, I feel like I just keep saying I agree. Yeah. I, agree. <laughs> I think all we've done is nod along, but it's because like, you're right. <laughs> oh, thank you. 
I was so scared. <laughs> I was so nervous to come on this. I was like, they're going to think I'm dumb. They're going to hate my boring-ass accent. I'm like, who is this <laughs> hick from Canada, eh, bud? <laughs> I mean, if it makes you feel better, we A as well. Yeah, Scottish people A all the time. Oh, you know what? I've noticed that before. I actually don't A a lot because I'm the least Canadian Canadian um, of all time. <laughs> it's been been said by my family. Also, like, we're friends, so why would we hate you? Oh, no, not you. <laughs> the fans. Oh, fans are going to love you. Fans are going to like you better than us, and you're going to put us out of business. So. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. There's, there's room in their podcast playlist for two. <laughs> That's very yeah. true. My episodes come out on a different day. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> that was kind of it for the writing chat, unless you had, like, I don't know, specific poetry-related questions or songwriting questions or something like that that's all i prepared i have a question about songwriting like do you do songwriting for other people to sing uh i have it is not like my day job or anything like that um but i've you know i've paid for a couple meals off of some songs (laughs) so how like in a practical like boring businessy sense how does one put those things to those people how do you get it from your Word document to those people? That's a great question. So I have never done it where I wrote a song and then put it up for auction. I've never done it that right. way. Mm-hmm. But I am aware that there are websites where you can do that. Okay. So it's like you would write the song and either make a demo or have like a rough production of it, post it to this website. I forget what it's called because, again, I've never done it this way. No, that's fair. And then people like record labels and maybe like big time Hollywood producer types. They'd be like, hmm, yes, this will this would be great for Rihanna to sing or like our up and coming mm-hmm. artist who can only sing and can't write. So they'll like pick it up and then you get like a cut of the royalties from it. Like not a ton because songwriters are treated like garbage. So that's like one way to do it. What What happened with me specifically was... I was friends with people who wanted, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm like pretty good with words. I'm not the best instrumentalist, but I'm pretty good with my words. And so they're like, oh, I need to punch up these lyrics, like the lyrical side of these tracks that I'm working on. I need to, I need someone to like take a look at these. Oh, you know who I should talk to? D Fretter. And so then I got <laughs> a couple phone calls from like friends and then acquaintances who would just bring me in and... I would sit with them in the studio and work on the lyrical side. So it's like me, the artist, and then a producer, and maybe another songwriter who's really good with melodies, and we'd all collaborate on a piece, and then I get like a certain percentage of the pot from you know all that money these songs have made. It's it's not a lot. It's very little. <laughs> and also, you've probably never heard these artists before, so I'm not like really inclined to shout them out or flex or whatever because they're just. You know, there's blokes like the rest of us. No, that's cool, though. Is it like, blokes? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I don't know. We don't say that here. <laughs> I mean, it's an, it's more of an Englishy thing, but people do say it. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Sorry. I I don't know things outside of North <laughs> America. chaps, lads. <laughs> oh, I know lads. Someone kept, mm. someone called me a lad one time and was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Like, I thought it was, like, lab, like, golden retriever, gold, like, chocolate lab type thing. And then someone was like, oh, no, it's like a British frat dude. And I was like, how 
dare they <laughs> get it so right? That is hurtful. <laughs> Rude. It's usually affectionate if that helps. Oh, I thought they were calling me stupid. I should text them back and be like, if someone says lads, 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 they might be calling you stupid. Oh. But if they just say it once, it's probably fine. Yeah. They called me a proper lad. I'd say that's yeah. quite affectionate. That's probably yeah. affectionate, yeah. Neat. <laughs> yeah, so that's the songwriting thing. Is like the businessy side of things is you can write them, record them roughly, and then submit them to like, I think there's like two or three websites that are legitimate that like labels mm. cruise to like buy songs or buy the rights to songs and then you get a cut of the royalties or pal around with an up and coming artist <laughs> offer to help them with the lyrical side of things. And that's a good way to get your foot in the door and, and do like studio writing sessions, which are way more fun. Like, yeah, that sounds yeah. so fun. Like collaborating with, with people on songs is like the best way to write songs. Mm-hmm. I'm jealous. That sounds really fun. Do you have a quick fire favorite for us? I do indeed. Would you like to share? I would love to share. My quick fire favorite is Cold Lasagna, Hate Myself, 1999, James A. Caster's second or fifth special. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. It's so funny. And it's so yeah. well written. That dude is, ugh, love him. Big fan. Me too. I'm waiting on his book. Yeah, I want to read it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to read it. I I know <laughs> I'm from knowledge. Taskmaster. Like, <laughs> oh, sick. I have no knowledge. But yeah, he's funny. He's very he funny. He's very funny. He's very hashtag woke, but like in a good way. <laughs> I don't, anybody who claims to be hashtag woke probably isn't, but he just seems no. like pretty aware of his privilege. Like he's done some checking and, yeah. you know, like in the special, he talks a lot about his own mental health. And I feel like when you start to dive into your mental health, you start to realize the privileges that you hold. At least that's how it was for me. Um, mm -hmm. That's how it's been for other friends that I've kind of like observed. So I think that's kind of where it comes from, like a journey of self-discovery is like, damn, I'm an asshole by accident. And then you work on it and it's like checking your privilege. That is very astute. Thank you. I'm a student of life. <laughs> <laughs> What's your quick fire favorite? My favorite's a song. It is called The Angel of Eighth Avenue by Gang of Youths. And it's their first song release since their 2017 album, Go Father and Lightness, which is the one that has Achilles come down on it. Mm. <laughs> the like one song that everyone knows of that band. And yeah, this song is about them moving from Sydney to London and how the front man is falling in love with his wife all over again in a new city. It's really sweet. Excuse me. <laughs> and yeah, I just love his voice. There's really like heavy guitars in all of their songs, which I love. And my favourite lyric from it is probably, in the Islington morn, you're the angel of eighth. And what's more, the goddamn greatest thing that Lainey ever made. Getting yeah. Islington into a song, that's very nice. I know, I know. But yeah, that's about all I have to say. It's just a really good song. <laughs> Sounds like it. I'm intrigued. Yeah, me too. Nice one. What's your quickfire favourite? My quickfire favourite is a Netflix series. It's called Sweet Tooth. It's quite new. It takes place in post-apocalyptic America that has, heads up, been ravaged by a pandemic. <laughs> it's a, But it is really sweet. So in this series, one of the unexplained effects of the sick, as they call it, is that babies all start being born as animal-human hybrids. 
but the hybrids are seen as abominations and basically like massacred and harvested for experiments. But right at the beginning, this one man takes like one of the first hybrids born. The father obviously is like, well, this ain't right. They're going to want to experiment on my child and fucks off to the middle of the woods in Yellowstone. And they manage to remain there unseen for 10 years. And we start the story there with this kid who is like a 10 year old deer human hybrid. And then it's like an epic journey of this little kid as he journeys from Yellowstone to Red Rocks, Colorado. And it sounds really harrowing, but it's not. It's so adorable. (laughs) There's so many like found family moments and there's really nice scenery. You've got like this ramshackle woodland cabin that they start in. There's an abandoned theme park that like this ragtag group of kids all live in. What beautiful nature shots. It's it's very delightful. I'm loving it and I would recommend. I want to watch that. My dad told me to watch it. Me and PR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're like this. <laughs> That's cool. I might check it out. I think I've seen trailers for it, but I haven't, like, I haven't watched anything recently. I'm trying to catch up on all these books that y'all keep recommending and I'm <laughs> drowning. In- you know, it's not... It's not like it's not mandatory. <laughs> no, I know you don't think it's mandatory, but you like we're gonna squash a little bit of beef right now. Y'all don't get to just recommend like the loveliest sounding books and then be like, but then you don't have to read them. Like, of course I have to. You know, like you just you give us a little taste, a little, couple little quotes, it's cute and all, and then be like, well now I gotta know how it ends. And you never tell us how it ends, so then I gotta know. You know, it's like I gotta get in on this. It's, it's not mandatory, but I have to. Single-handedly keeping the book industry alive is what you're saying. <laughs> well, double-handedly, because there's two of you. We are one mind, it's fine. Well, that's spooky. <laughs> no, I haven't watched anything in ages, actually, but yeah, I've been trying to catch up on stuff. It's it's amazing how many things are on the old streaming services now. Mm. Overwhelmed and excited by the possibilities, <laughs> which I imagine is how you feel about all the books. That's how I feel about life. (laughs) Fair. Very fair. Do you have a special segment at all that you want to regale us with? Yes, I do. I'm going to call this special segment. It's the beginning of a thing. It's called D's Delights. Yay! (laughs) If you remember, uh, real fans will remember Rebecca's rants. This is the opposite. Okay. <laughs> or Amazing. I don't even know if it's a. I don't even know if it's a rant. It's a little story. Okay. So, last weekend I was hired by like a brewery pub sort of place to come with my acoustic guitar and just like sit there play some songs for like three hours, which you would think, but it's really chill and mm-hmm. like free beer, you know, just sitting there playing songs. People were also giving me like tips and stuff like that. So financially, it was a great move to spend a Sunday afternoon doing that. And I'd do it again. Hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm playing there. And like by and large, people aren't really engaging with the music. And they're not really meant to. Like I'm I'm like just there to give the boombox a break. And that's fine. Mm. You know, like they're not really into it. A few people would kind of look and like bob their head, especially I played something. You know, they're like, oh. I've never heard someone play Uptown Funk on acoustic guitar before. That's crazy. Good for him. He deserves $5. There you go. That was kind of like my afternoon. And then around when I was going to end, this family showed up. You know, mom, dad, little boy, little girl. And the little boy and the little girl are staring 
right at me. <laughs> like one of them had to turn around to stare at me, but they like they are looking right at me, like looking right at my guitar. And then they started to like kind of bop. And then I'd play songs that they knew and they would sing along and they sang along very loudly. And I'm not going to say Aww. that they sung badly, but they were off key and a little <laughs> off beat. And that's fine. You know, it's fun. They're, they're like four and seven or something like that. It was like, it's cute. It's very cute. And then they started like kind of dancing at the table. And then they like got away from the table. They started dancing together. So it's like his brother and the sister, they're like dancing. It was really cute. And then their dad, he's been like kind of watching me kind of like just talking to his wife, but he like hands the, the little boy like a $10 bill. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. I didn't know what for. I was just like, whatever. And then the sister snatches it out of his hand and then they proceed to like argue. And I'm like, I don't know why they're fighting. Come on guys. It's Sunday afternoon. It's sunny out. Like it's good vibes. It's chill. It's good vibes only right now. Come on. Basically they both hold on to one end of the $10 bill and run up to my guitar case and drop it in and then just kind of stand there and like I smile at them and try to wave, but I'm still playing my guitar. So it's hard to wave (laughs) and play guitar at the same time. I'm not that talented. Um, And then they like run back to the table and they were just so sweet. So after I finished, I walked up to the whole family. I was like, Hey, thanks for being like the best audience members of the night and blah, blah, blah. And the dad gave me like a great speech about chasing my dreams and how hard it is for artists out here. And the son was like, how long did it take you to learn how to play guitar? And I was like, 10 years. And he went, shoot. <laughs> and that was, that's my delight. It was a delightful little story. That, was that delightful. is delightful. <laughs> oh, I love that. So nice. I know, that was sweet. <laughs> okay, do you have a root for us? I do have a root. My root is this. We watched Peter Pan today. Um, <laughs> I have never seen Peter Pan before in my life. And so this was a new experience for me. And I do know that I read one time on one of those like pseudo fact websites that the name Wendy didn't have an etymology and was first used in J.M. Barry's Peter Pan. So I decided to look this up. And this is what I found. Peter Pan began as a 1904 play by Scottish author J.M. Barry. He named Wendy in honour of Margaret Henley. Daughter of poet William Ernest Henley, Margaret died of meningitis age five. Big sad vibes. She called Barry Fwendy Wendy, inspiring Wendy Darling's name. <laughs> Which I just think is heartbreaking. <laughs> if it true. Is. Damn. Heartbreaking. I do know that Wendy is also short for Gwendolyn, which, you know, means that it existed for a longer time. Yeah. But... I just think that it is heartbreaking, the idea of this little child that couldn't pronounce her R's saying Fwendy Wendy, and that's why she's called Wendy. But a nice fun fact to just lighten that mood is that J.M. Barry stayed in Kerrymuir, which is a village just down the road from us, which oh. I didn't know if people would know, but Dundee is very close to the birthplace of J.M. Barry, who wrote Peter Pan. Very that's cool. cool. That's my route. Nice. Do you have an insight for us? I do. My insight this week's a wee bit different, but it's a treat. So, as we all know, Erin Morgan Cern's my favourite writer, and I know that you like her as well. So, today I thought I'd read out one of her Flax Golden Tales. 
So there are 261 flax golden tails, which were all posted on Morgan Cern's website from 2009 to 2014. Mm-hmm. Each one consists of a photograph by Carrie Farrell, which is accompanied by an original 10-sentence short story by Morgan Stern. I love that idea. Yeah. So I've not read all of them. There's a lot of them. <laughs> but I do love scrolling through that website every now and then because they're all very whimsical and magical. And this one's actually the first one that you find on the website and it's called A Not Quite Midnight Picnic. We decide to have a midnight picnic with the moon, but we leave early just after the sun goes to sleep so there will be enough light to see by to get there. We bring strawberries and honey and blue cheese and a bottle of red wine, but we pack teacups instead of wine glasses because they are easier to carry and slightly more difficult to break. We tiptoe under the deep pink sky as not to wake the sun. We find a good spot to place our blanket and we put stones on the corners to keep the wind from stealing it away and we only find three good stones but a passing rabbit says he will sit on the fourth corner to keep it in place for us for the duration of our nighttime picnic if he may have a strawberry and a sip of wine. We declare this a splendid exchange and the rabbit snuggles into the stoneless blanket corner. The sky turns indigo and mauve and grey and the clouds dance and the moon peeks out at us and we raise our wine-filled teacups to it in greeting. We have forgotten to pack napkins so our fingers get honey sticky but we do not mind. The rabbit tells us stories about the bees who live on the North Star and make honey that is snow white and sparkling and we all agree that one can never have enough honey or too many bees. After we eat the last berries and nibble the last morsels of cheese and lick the last of the honey from our fingers and paws, we make wishes on the half moon that they might come half true. Then we fold up our blanket and pack our wine-stained teacups away and bid our new rabbit friend sweet dreams and say goodnight to the world. (laughs) Erin, I know you're a big fan of the podcast. I just gotta say, (laughs) I kind of openly resent you for being so good. Yeah. Who do you think you are? Rude. That's beautiful. Who comes up with that? (laughs) I love little stories like that. Yeah, so her website is filled with stories like that. So I recommend having a wee look. I'll maybe read out some more one day. I'm going to have a scroll. That was very... That's like, you know when you've not found something to read in ages that's exactly what you want to read? Yeah. That's exactly what I want to read. (laughs) Uh Yeah, that was... Okay, so we do have a special little treat, I believe, for after the question, but we'll do our question first. And the question this week was submitted by Alice, Alice, and it was, (laughs) it was, please, please read it out. Out of the books you've read, which one do you reckon you'd be most likely to die in? An excellent question. (laughs) That was a very villainous laugh, I (laughs) apologise. Emily, do you want to go first? Sure. So I discounted The Hunger Games immediately because I thought that was obvious. Also, same with like disaster novels or zombie novels, like I Am Legend, because I thought, again, obvious. You would die, yeah. So my answer is um, something along the lines of Interview with a Vampire by Anne Rice. So the situation would be seductive vampire, rock star, Lestat comes up as like, 
let me suck your blood and I'll turn you into a vampire. And I'd go, okay. <laughs> and then he'd, he'd just suck all my blood and kill me. I think that's how I would die. <laughs> <laughs> die by seduction from, yeah. a, from a vampire. Yeah. I don't that, blame you. <laughs> that checks out. That checks out. Dee, did you have an answer for this one? Well, I mean, like, the cop-out would be, I don't think I'd survive in any book world. Mm. Specifically, the world of the villain series by V.E. Schwab. I feel yeah. like I'd be the dude to be like, oh, people can get superpowers this way? <laughs> Deal. And yeah. then just fail miserably. <laughs> yeah, I considered that as well, because I also thought, very similar to my answer just there, if Eli came up to me and was like, being all seductive because that's how he he gets some of his victims and i'd be like okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah yo that dude's scary though Mm -hmm. well my answer was the cop-out answer because i literally was just like i would i would die in any book like any book that i have read recently (laughs) i've thought like i could think of a way that i would die in any of them because i have no survival skills and i'm really gullible um the only way in which i'd survive is if the way was just to hide because i'm quite good at hiding Mm. but apart from that i feel like the only novels that i would be safe in are like lisa cross smith's (laughs) really wholesome nice domestic romances (laughs) where the only time people are in peril is when they put themselves in peril and all the rest of the time you're pretty safe. Because mm. anything else, any fantasy, if there was a magical creature that could kill me, I would die. If there was any sort of like, if you're on a boat and there's like a storm or if you're like in, you know, extreme weather conditions or if it's just really, really scary and like you're in a battle scene, I'd just be like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> like, I give up. Bye. <laughs> so yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't think of a good answer to this one because every book, I just thought, yeah, I'd die in that. Fair enough. <laughs> I respect that though because there's so many people out there like, man, apocalypse happens. I'm gonna be the dude with the with the whatever random object and the trench coat surviving in the desert. Like, no, you won't. <laughs> Come I'm on, just man. like, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd be the first one to go in the horror movie. <laughs> well, depends on the horror movie because if I'm in it. Yeah, I'm going before you. you. Yeah. I don't know if people can tell by my voice, but I'm black, and so I'll probably get it first. But yeah, so yeah, you would go, and then I'd be the one, like, you know, the like the girl that goes into the dark place, like the cupboard or wherever. Yeah. Like, she opens the door, and she's like, is anyone in here? And then she goes, and then it shuts behind her, and she gets murdered. That would be me. Dang. <laughs> what a way to go. Now for the thing I've been looking forward to. Dee, would you like to play us out? Yay! I would love to. <laughs> Am I supposed to like talk about this or? You can talk about it. You can plug your stuff now. Cool. So my name is D Fretter. That's F-R-E-T-T-E-R. I'm a poet, songwriter, and podcaster. My podcast is called Don't Fret with D Fretter, where I interview fellow creatives and entrepreneurial spirits, people that I find fascinating or inspiring. Rebecca's recorded an episode, but that one has yet to come out. Might be out by the time this episode of Infatuated is out. Who knows? Emily, love to have you on sometime. That'd be really cool. I would love that. I have a couple of songs on Spotify, Apple Music, stuff like that. There's an EP called Chapter One, and I have a new single that's coming out. What day is it? Tomorrow. 
And this is that this song I'm going to play is that single. It's called Moonlight and Barcelona. I wrote in a lockdown because what else was there to do? (laughs) I love this one. I got a little sneaky peek of this one and I'm very excited. We don't dance to our favorite songs no more Like back when we first fell in love It seems to me we've been working a lot Maybe we're working too much We should go far away Leave this town, leave the rain Find a place where nobody knows our name You can rest your head on my shoulder under moonlight in Barcelona kiss me slow and pull me closer under moonlight in Barcelona oh 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 walk with me in the streets of London Dance with me in the streets of Rome I hear it's nice over in Paris But I don't care where we go Let's just go far away Leave this town, leave the rain Find a place where nobody knows our names You can rest your head On my shoulder under moonlight in Barcelona Kiss me slow And pull me closer Under moonlight in Barcelona Oh, 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 oh baby Oh, 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 oh The city lights, they're way too bright I just need the stars And I don't care where we go, baby, I'm home, wherever you are. Rest your head on my shoulder, under moonlight in Barcelona. Kiss me slow, and pull me closer, under moonlight in Barcelona. Let's stay here. Till the night is over, babe Under moonlight in Barcelona Oh, 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 oh Oh, 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 oh Oh, 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 oh Thank you very much. Oh, I loved that. It was so good. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm doing the outro solo this week because Rebecca and I forgot how to podcast. But that is us this week. Thank you again to Dee for coming on. He's been such a huge supporter of us basically since the beginning. And we were so happy to have him 
sharing his infatuations and his beautiful music and soul. Check out everything he shouted out, it's all linked in the show notes. If you have any comments or questions, then our email is infatuatedpodcast at outlook.com. We also have social media, which again is linked in the show notes, along with everything we've talked about today, including the Infatuated Mix, which has all the music we mention, including that beautiful song from Day. Also, please rate and review us on your podcast apps because that helps get the podcast out there. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.